0: I was going to hail a cab back to my apartment. I stood at the curb, but then changed my mind and started aimlessly wending through the mid-afternoon throng. It wasn't particularly cold out, but the air was crisp. Long fingers of creamy light slipped between the buildings, slanting their way across Park Avenue. Gigantic cloud formations clotted the sky. I walked on block after block. It was the first time in years that I'd simply wandered the streets on a weekday without purpose. In a daze, as if I'd been fired or something. Many blocks on, I pulled out of my introspection and looked up. I was somewhere in the East Fifties, not far from my apartment. I remembered a nearby café bar where Abby and I used to meet up. Run by a Frenchman, it had a long zinc bar top and felt like a Paris café, or at least our idea of one. We'd probably thought we were the height of sophistication drinking there. Although I lived close by, I hadn't walked down this street since Abby had left. Strange to see how little had changed. There was the jeweler's store where I'd once bought Abby a necklace. Opposite, a man was hawking the afternoon papers, next to a cobbler bent over his work. Exactly as I'd left them, as if they'd only just snapped back into action. And yet when I came to where the French café used to be, It had vanished. In its place was an anonymous-looking bar and grill, such as you might find anywhere in the city. Simply walking through its doors sent a chill of alienation through me. Everything inside felt simultaneously familiar and strange. The zinc bar top had been ripped out and replaced with a bland, laminated counter. Chairs, tables, and decor had all been replaced. The clientele was different. I thought Abby and I had first talked about getting married here, but now I wasn't so sure. What'll it be? Give me a beer. As a rule, I never drank during the day, but I downed the beer the bartender put before me and quickly ordered another. I gazed through the glass front into the streetscape, washed in the somber colors of a fall afternoon. As I drank, my thoughts drifted back. I was remembering my freshman year at Columbia. It must have been 1936. That second semester when I'd joined a college theater group, out of sheer loneliness. One day in the rehearsal room, I'd felt someone watching me and had looked up. Abby. I could still feel the erotic jolt, so disturbing now that I knew she was dead. I'd met her gaze and then let my eyes run down her body, taking in her hips and breasts under the flimsy stage gown. A few minutes later, she'd left in the company of a short, intense-looking man years older than me. I'd made inquiries the next day and discovered who she was. A Bonnard girl. A fine arts undergraduate who wanted to be an actress and who, apparently, had the talent for it, too. Months had gone by. We'd attended rehearsals together. We'd even been in a play together, her in a leading role, me with a bit part. But we'd barely exchanged a dozen words. Then came a production of The Winter's Tale. Someone had pulled out at the last minute, and I'd landed a more substantial part this time around, much of it in dialogue with Abby. We'd had two weeks of rehearsal for a six-night run. But as opening night had drawn nearer, I'd felt increasingly ill at ease and out of my depth. Abby had suggested we go through our scenes on our own, away from the rest of the cast. She'd been sharing a room in a college dorm. That was where we'd practiced— while her roommate was in class. And that was where everything had started, on two narrow beds hastily pushed together. I remembered being on stage not long after that, for the third or fourth performance of The Winter's Tale. The nerves had finally gone and the words had flowed effortlessly. I'd felt the magic of becoming someone else, if only for an hour or two. Afterward, there'd been drinks, and then later Abby had smuggled me into her dorm through the laundry window, her roommate conveniently away for the weekend. An entire night had stretched out before us, when all we'd had before was the odd snatched moment. It had felt like the greatest luxury to watch Abby as she undressed without hurry. I could see her vividly now, my hand on her breast. Her hand on my hand, her mouth to my ear, a line from the play that had become a secret code, everything seemed to resolve to this frozen moment of expectation. How to grieve for someone you haven't seen in over a decade? It felt absurd, but in a way, Abby had never entirely disappeared. Every now and then,